Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the FemiPod. This is episode six. And today Esther and I are speaking through listening to your body, your mind, and your gut. Before we get into things, Esther, how are you and how's your week been? The week's been really good. Thanks, Lids. We uh, got some sunshine, which was really nice. And my partner's currently training for a 75K run, which he's doing before he goes and has a kidney transplant uh, for his dad. So yeah, he's doing a lot of running and I'm running with him. Training's going really good. We're meant to be doing a 10K time trial this weekend, so hopefully can get another PB. We'll see how we go, going into it with a positive mindset and just see what happens and hoping to really enjoy it. But yeah, body's holding up well and no injuries, touch wood for now. <laughs> how are you? How's your marathon build-up going? Yeah, the marathon build-up is going pretty well. I had a couple of weeks that just didn't feel great to be honest and I think it was probably more of a hormonal thing more than anything so I am just back into my follicular phase and feeling on top of the world and I just did a (laughs) big session this morning so yeah it was about 28 k's a bit of a long of a fart look session in preparation for the marathon we're about five and a half weeks away now so not too long to go until race day I'm pretty excited to get to that start line. I think um, it's been a long time coming and having sessions like I did this morning is definitely good for the confidence. It's nice to be able to feel good in a session and get through a particular session at the specific paces that were set, which hasn't happened uh, to me for a while now. So it's nice to get to a session like that. And hopefully we've got a few more of those to come over the next few weeks before we start tapering. So I'll start tapering probably about two or three weeks out. So really there's only probably another two weeks of big, big Ks on the cards before race day and then we start pulling it back to get to that marathon start line. So yeah, pretty excited. December 12th, here they come. (laughs) Exciting. It must be so nice to get to that taper week or taper two to three weeks. Must feel so good. Yeah, it is. It's a hard one because you are so used to running such big Ks and you're so prepared to run those big Ks that when you start pulling them back mentally, it can be a bit of a challenge because you're so used to it and you almost get addicted to the running the mileage. And when you start pulling it back, it can play on your mind a little bit. But I think when you understand that there's a purpose to why you're doing it and you know, the more that you can freshen up, the better you're gonna feel on that start line. I think that's really important. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to tape it, but I've just got to get my mind in the right place before I start heading down that path as well. Yeah, for sure. Exciting. Not too long to go though. Not too long to go. So for anyone else out there training for the Nike Melbourne Marathon, no matter what distance you're training for, you can join our Facebook group. We have a Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival training group um, on Facebook that you can take part in and just join us through conversations around how you can get the most out of your training, how you can adapt your training to your menstrual cycle. You can tell us how your training's going. Plenty of good conversations happening there. So that group is in the show notes and you can join that group whenever you like throughout the next five weeks. 
So today we are going to chat through the importance of being in tune with your body. So in three regards, talking about being in tune with your mind, your body and your gut, or we like to think your gut is your soul. So we really want to chat around, you know, the importance of being in tune with all three and how we can balance all three to get the most out of ourselves as athletes. So we think to excel in anything, we need those balance of all three of those and making sure that we're paying attention to them to, you know, not just be an amazing athlete and getting fitter and faster, but also just feeling good within your body and empowered in who you are as a human being. So we're going to start off by talking about being in tune with your body, which as an athlete probably is the first one we'd all jump to, because when we talk about being in tune with your body, it's very much being in tune with how your physical body is functioning. And when we're running so many Ks and so much mileage, and if you're on a training journey as well, your body probably is fatigued and probably is going through a few different issues or struggles or challenges or injuries or niggles. So how can we, you know, pay enough attention to those niggles that we can work through them and not allow them to turn into injuries or how, when is it that we know it is an injury? So we're just going to chat through a couple of our own experiences and in, in, um, tuning into our body and listening to our body. Probably a few mistakes that we have made, um, both Esther and I in the past, and hoping that you can kind of learn from those mistakes. So myself, I am pretty fortunate um, considering how many Ks I run in regards to the uh, injuries or niggles that I have had in the past and what I'm going through at the moment. My biggest injury, I would say, is probably ITB syndrome, which I know a lot of runners suffer from or have suffered from. I don't know, Esther, if you've ever suffered ITB syndrome before. I had it in my hip. So instead of the knee, I had it in my hip when I rolled my ankle and started running again too soon. But yeah, it's really painful. It's not a fun injury to have. And yeah, it comes on out of nowhere as well. So yeah, when it first popped up, I was like, what the heck is that pain? And yeah, it was really sore. So don't wish an ITB pain on anyone. No, it is. It's so painful. And it's one of those ones that you physically can't run through it when it gets to that point where it's that painful. So I remember this was when I was about 21 or 22 and I definitely had some tight hips and I felt pain in my knee for, I would like to think a couple of weeks, but there was one particular run I remember doing and it was on a hilly course and I was with a group of other runners. So I didn't want to make the other runners stop throughout the run, even though I felt this pain and it almost felt like I needed to click my knee. That was like this pressure that was being put on the outside of my knee. And I got to the end of the run and I kept trying to click that knee. And then I remember going home, that was in the evening and I woke up the next morning and I tried to run and I just couldn't run. I couldn't really even take a step. It was that painful. I couldn't straighten my leg out properly. And it probably was in that moment where I realized I probably should have taken some action a few weeks ago when the pain started. And because I didn't jump onto it earlier and I didn't get the assistance or the physio that, that I needed to work through that issue, I ended up being out of running for eight months. And that was the longest time that I've had away from running since I really started taking running a lot more seriously since about the age of 19 or 20. So it was a bit of a shock to the system. I wasn't really prepared to, you know, take that long out. And I got to a point where I was seeing so many different um, medical experts and physios and sports docs and 
um, I just wasn't getting any relief from that pain. It just continued to stay. And um, unfortunately, I just probably wasn't seeing the right people um, and no one really knew what to do or how to work around that ITB syndrome. So it was about eight months later um, that I actually had another female athlete come to me and tell me that she got uh, deep dry needling. So it was like the really deep needles um, in the hip and the glute and all the way down the ITB towards the knee. And that really helped her. So I found someone, this is, I was living in Auckland at the time and I found someone there to do this dry needling. And I remember going in to see him and it was the most painful thing <laughs> in the world, these deep needles and this extremely wound up ITV. But within two weeks I was back running. So I was frustrated by the fact that I'd had such a long time out because no one could fix it. But I was obviously stoked that I finally found some sort of relief so I could get back running. So alongside ITV syndrome is probably something that I have like kind of suffered on and off over the last 10 years. It hasn't actually been too bad over the last few years. I've also had a hamstring tendinopathy. So this has also been something that's been hanging around for probably about five years, but it's one of those things that when I ignore it and don't do the right things to allow my body to be strong enough to be able to take the pressure off those painful areas, I end up getting into a place where I can't run. And I think it's really important for all of us to pay more attention to those signs and symptoms. I think a lot of us athletes do just kind of forget um, or try to ignore them for as long as we can so that we can just keep running, not understanding, you know, long-term it's not a great approach to ignore signs of injuries um, because you aren't going to be able to run or run through that forever it's definitely not sustainable so with the hamstring it's another one that I have learned how to manage a lot of strength work and hence why um, Esther and I are both so big on strength work for runners because I really believe that if I didn't get into the gym and I couldn't lift weight and I didn't do that strength work I wouldn't be able to run so I'm pretty lucky that the injuries that I have suffered and am suffering are ones that need load and need strength work to be uh, able to keep them away so now we're out of lockdown in Melbourne I'm lucky that we can get into the gym and actually lift some heavy weights and that definitely helps but I've definitely learned my lesson in not paying attention to those signs of injuries and and now know that if I want to run I've got to keep my eyes out for those little niggles just to get on top of them before they get really bad and I know Esther you've suffered some different sorts of injuries but similar I guess approach and that you maybe ignored them for too long yeah for sure well I also have a friendly hamstring tendinopathy which is really annoying but it like you said that it's all about maintaining the strength work and doing the right things but yeah, not having the access to the gym over here has been tough as well. So I managed to snag myself a, a heavy kettlebell, which has been good. I'm very happy that I have that because I think it would probably be pretty sore if I didn't. So yeah, I've had hamstring tendinopathy and I had a bad bout of Achilles tendinopathy, which is pretty common in runners. But again, strength work healed that. So I just had to do like very heavy uh, standing calf raises, seated calf raises. I had maybe had about six or seven different types of calf raises I had to do every second day and it was exhausting, uh, but it completely went away. And I think with tendinopathies, they can pop up every now and again with like a change of load. So quite often what happens with me is I'll be all good throughout the winter season. And then I head back to the track and start doing more intense like speed work and in spikes and that's when it pops up the most. So 
I think with tendinopathies, it's just about giving your body time to transition into new training and allowing those tendons to heal and adapt to the load. But then also, yeah, keeping up the strength work during the injuries really helps to either get rid of them completely or keep them at bay. But I also had uh, a stress fracture when I was young. So obviously had reds for a while and I got away with it for a little bit. And then I was just doing this run once and I was mental. Like I used to run. My long runs were about 15 Ks and I was 15 years old. So too far already. And I would run them as fast as I possibly could. So I got told to run run quick. And I was running, you know, sometimes under four minute Ks for 15 Ks and I was 15 years old. And it was just, I look back now and I'm like, I'm very happy that I'm still actually able to run because of some of the stuff I did to my body. But yeah, I was just running along the road and I felt really good. I was really, really fit, but pretty unhealthy when I look back and I started to get this pain in my foot and it just came out of nowhere. I hadn't felt it before. And I was like, Oh, what is that? So I like loosened my shoe and I started running again and it just kept getting sore. And then I had to end up getting picked up um, by my parents. And yeah, I definitely couldn't run on that. There was no way it was so sore. Uh, I couldn't really put weight through it. Uh, ended up going to a sports doctor and I had some scans and he told me, yeah, I had a stress fracture through the top of my foot. And then on the other side, cause he scanned both just to be safe. He saw that I had a stress reaction on the other foot. So that was on the way to being a stress fracture. So one foot was in a moon boot and the other one was okay. Uh, but because a stress reaction is like the beginning of a stress fracture. So you get sort of like inflammation around the bone before it actually cracks so he saw that, uh, I was kind of like, oh, that's actually quite good. I load well through both my feet, but <laughs> I love that you're so optimistic. <laughs> Positivity. Yeah. I was like, I was two weeks from going to Poland to race at world juniors. So yeah, I didn't get to go really sad. And that was sort of the beginning of the onslaught of all the, the bad things I'd done to my body and the effect of reds. So lucky for me, I, I don't have issues with bone density now but if I'd kept going potentially I could have so I'm really lucky that I went and saw a nutritionist and and got some help when I did yeah I think it's one of those things that definitely come with age and experience but understanding you know why recovery and rest days are so important and why taking a really holistic approach to our training is so important there's nothing that frustrates me more than seeing people who step into our sport and get really overly excited, probably because they're uneducated as well, um, and end up going really hard really early on and then not understanding that is just a really unsustainable way to continue to run into the future. And, you know, we're such big believers in building running into your life to become something that is part of your lifestyle and something that you can do forever but by jumping into training and I know running makes you feel so good which is amazing but understanding taking a really holistic approach and making sure that you put those recovery and rest days into your training program and understanding if your body is fatigued or if your body is tired or if you feel a niggle taking a day or two or a week off here and there is actually going to benefit you more than just pushing through the training to keep that fitness up. I think a lot of people get really caught up in the idea of needing to do more and more and faster and faster and don't understand that 
A, that's not sustainable, and B, if you do get a niggle, it will turn into an injury and it will take you out of running potentially for a long time. So if you are someone that wants to run forever, you really need to you know, take a step back, listen to your body. If your body is telling you that you need a rest, take that rest, follow a program that is built to give you the right amount of recovery versus the minor amount of training. And also pay attention to your menstrual cycle. Obviously, our menstrual cycle, and we've talked about it a lot, can tell us a lot about our bodies and what is going on. And if you are having irregularities in your menstrual cycle, if you are someone who has a natural menstrual cycle and you start to see these irregularities, your body is telling you that something is wrong and that you potentially need to pull back on your training or increase your fueling load to make sure that you're getting enough energy in for the output that you're giving in your training and in your stressful life and everything else that goes on. So, you know, tracking your menstrual cycle and making sure you know if there is something going wrong in your menstrual cycle, trying to get help and understand what it might be that's causing that. Because what can happen if you don't pay attention to your menstrual cycle as a female, um, you're missing these signs that could potentially lead you to understanding that you're about to get injured or you're about to get red S or you're about to get chronic fatigue. So it's a really amazing tool that we have to use to understand our bodies better without, you know, having to do all these tests and go to the doctor or anything. It's literally something that shows up every month. And if it doesn't show up, then do something about it because you can get on top of things before they get really bad. Yeah, for sure. It's so true. And, and tracking also gives you that, I guess, uh, understanding of why potentially you feel like you're struggling sometimes, like Liz, before you said you felt like hormonally it was affecting your training and now you're back in the follicular phase and you're like, I'm a new woman and I feel awesome again. But you know, that is actually quite common and like having that uh, in your toolbox to actually understand why you're feeling a bit more fatigued this week. You're not quite hitting the times that maybe you usually would. Maybe that's a sign. Okay. I should take a little bit of an easier week here. Maybe have an extra day off if I'm feeling really, really knackered and yeah, just like tuning in with your body more and understanding why you're feeling that way. Cause yeah, for me, I know I do get quite affected about three days before my period. And then the first two days of my period, I get affected quite, I feel quite tired and I struggle a little bit more. So just understanding, yeah, I shouldn't really maybe go and do an absolutely ruthless session. Those days is really nice to, to sort of match my energy with the type of training as well. And then you feel more empowered. You're kind of like, okay, cool. This is my easier week. And next week I'm going to go and smash it again, which is cool. Yeah, totally. And that's exactly why we train to our menstrual cycles and it's, you know, the last few weeks for me haven't felt great. And even though most of the time it's not two or three weeks that it lasts for me that I don't feel great, it has been the cycle. And that's another thing, like, you know, every female cycle is different and then every cycle and one female is different as well. So, you know, it's not often that I have two or three weeks of one cycle. I feel terrible, but unfortunately that's what's happened to me over the last month. So hopefully that's that for a wee while, but (laughs) yeah, understanding your body through your menstrual cycle is super important and just a powerful tool that we can use as athletes. So from there, we're going to jump into listening to your mind. So we've talked all about the body and, you know, the physical body and paying attention to those little signs that our body is giving us, but our minds are just as important, if not even more important, because when we talk about our minds, we're thinking about our mental health, you know, the stresses that our minds are under, you know, potential anxieties that we're feeling or any states of depression that we potentially are going through. We need to understand like 
why and where these are coming from and how they're impacting everything else going on in our lives. So like our body, our minds and our guts, they're all intertwined and our mind is a massive part of it. So for me, I step back to thinking about my struggles that I went through with my mental health when I was younger and how important running was for me. And I think when I was in that state of pretty serious anxiety, you know, I was going through bouts of depression at the time. I wasn't running and I wasn't exercising and I was pretty much ignoring how important my mental health was and how much I needed to put some time and energy into allowing my mental health to become healthier. So at the time I wasn't exercising, I was drinking quite heavily. I probably wasn't eating the best diet and I definitely wasn't sleeping enough. I was probably doing everything wrong (laughs) in that regard. And I was really just ignoring the signs that my mind was giving me and telling me that I needed to make some changes. So for me, this lasted, I would say, a good year or if not longer of being in this state where I just really didn't feel like myself and I didn't really feel like I knew where I was going in terms of the direction of my life and I just did not give enough attention to my mental health and my mind and I think when we can actually tap into how our minds are working and our minds can be cruel at times and I think Esther and I talk about this a lot like we have you know thoughts everybody has thoughts that go through our mind and understanding that even, you know, the negative thoughts that may pop up here and there, but not necessarily us. It's not us speaking, it's our thoughts speaking. And when you can understand that those thoughts that come into your mind are there, but you don't have to pay attention to them, it's an incredible place where you can actually move forward without getting caught up in those negative thoughts and potentially come in, you know, for some people it's daily, some people it's weekly, everybody is different. But I know personally, I have crazy thoughts that go through my head all the time, but now I'm in a position where I pay attention to the good ones and I play into the good thoughts. And, you know, for me, those good thoughts are about visualization and racing, getting excited about things and socializing and making connections and relationships with people. And those are the really positive thoughts that allow me to take really good steps forward. And then those negative thoughts that come into my mind, I really try to push them aside and realize that's not me speaking. It's just these thoughts and try and let go of them as fast as I can. And I think if we um, can actually tap into those really powerful, positive thoughts, we can all be in a better mental state and move forward in the right direction. So throughout that time in my life, when I was young, and I think I went through that challenge. I I don't regret it as at all. I think it was a really amazing part of my story because it's really allowed me to understand what does make my mental health thrive. And a huge part of that is movement and exercise. And without movement and exercise, I really just got lost in who I was and what I was doing. I think through running, I speak about a lot how running creates purpose for me, you know, although I don't necessarily want my identity to be all around being a runner I think the the idea of getting up each day and getting outside and moving and getting the blood flowing and breathing the oxygen and connecting to other people that creates such a amazing powerful tool for me and my mental health so um, when I realized that at 18 19 years old how much I needed running in my life I 
knew at that moment that I would never stop running. I actually got a tattoo that said forever running <laughs> because I think I realized that I need running in my life forever because it balances me out so well. And it's just such an amazing tool for my, my mental health. So I think um, playing into those positive thoughts and playing into the idea of what makes your mental health thrive and making sure you give that time to your mind to be able to get there is really, really important. Mm. So true. It's so easy to yeah get caught up in your own thoughts and start to believe them. But uh, Lids always sends me texts if we're ever feeling down and she says, uh, thoughts are just thoughts, not facts. And it's so true. Like the power that you give to thoughts is your own. So if you, if you really lean into the negative thoughts and, and keep, I guess, reiterating them to yourself, then they'll start to become more and more true. But if you do the opposite and, and just understand that everyone does have negative thoughts, but yeah, it's how much you keep thinking that and allowing those thoughts to sort of get stronger that will affect you. So yeah, I still have bad thoughts before races sometimes. And I think, oh, maybe I feel a bit tired or uh, I haven't had that good sleep or something else hasn't, hasn't gone right. But I think um, I've really been working on being more positive and uh, finding the love for running again, because yeah, running's been a huge part of my life as well since I was young. And I've touched on that, you know, the whole success thing multiple times, but yeah, it did really affect how I thought of myself and how I thought of running. So I only really thought of running as like you either win or you don't. And then if you didn't, then it's not good. Whereas now it's, it's completely different and whatever the outcome is, I feel like I'm in a much better place to be accepting, but I definitely still have those thoughts. It's just, I don't allow them to sort of suck me in and, and ruin how much I actually love running. So yeah, it's been a long journey, but I'm still, still trying to find the the perfect balance of being competitive, but not overly obsessed with running. And I think it's, yeah, it's getting better now because I think probably because of Femi and what we're doing, I think it's really helped me uh, understand that there's a lot more to running than just the the winning or the losing side. It's like you say, Lids, it's like connecting with people. It's uh, a powerful tool for your mental health and also just pushing yourself and seeing what you can do every day. It gives you like a little bit of purpose on the side of your other jobs or whatever else you're doing. But yeah, so I'm definitely not saying I'm in the best position ever, but I'm in a, a much better position with my mind than I used to be. I go into races potentially with some negative thoughts, but I know I know how to sort of ignore those now and turn them to excitement. So yeah, I've been going into races excited. And then even if it doesn't go the way I want it to, I don't get as sad as I used to. You know, I used to I would cry and I would get really upset and be mad at myself. And now I don't anymore because I know it's just all part of it. It's just part of the journey, but yeah, it's still a work in progress, but it's a hell of a lot better than it used to be. So I think like you said, that's just being aware of your thoughts, acknowledging them, but they're not true. So don't take them as facts. Just try and I guess, yeah, acknowledge that they're there and then, flip it to something positive and then focus more on it on that positive note than the negative yeah like I think watching you even over the last six months yeah it's been such an amazing um, journey just to sit back and watch you really come into the fact that you just love running and that you enjoy running and what running can do for you mentally 
is so much more important than you know what success running brings for you and I just have really loved watching you your mindset flip because you're probably running better now than you have in such a long time and I think it's because you've taken that level of expectation and pressure off yourself and when you have that expectation and pressure to be running certain times or particular places and races whatever it might be I think you take the enjoyment factor out of what you're doing and when you aren't enjoying yourself then what's the point in doing it really you know and and then if you don't end up running the time that you wanted to run or getting the place in that you wanted to get you feel really disheartened about what you're doing and and it's such a, a negative approach to our sport and I think to any sport for females I think it's so important that we focus on doing it for the enjoyment factor and really just thriving off what running can do for us and may how running can make us feel and if you can get that side of things right then you know the placings and the times will come as you know a cherry on top you don't you don't need to focus on that all the time to be able to be running well I think if you feel good in yourself and what you're doing then yeah I think success will come no matter what for sure and we all get into sport to have fun and when you lose that aspect of it it's just yeah it's more stressful than it is. Like I remember last track season, I would turn up some to some races and I would be so nervous and just be thinking so badly. I didn't even want to race. Like I would literally want to pack my bags and leave. Like it makes me get emotional thinking about it. And I'm like, what the heck is the point? Like, why am I doing this to myself? I train so hard and I can't even go to a race and enjoy it. Mm, Totally. I understand that. And I, I've definitely been in that position as well. Even, you know, there's still times like this morning, I turned up to our session and I said to my friend Sarge, who I train with, I was, I'm so nervous for this session. And he's like, I'm so nervous too, but it's the good kind of nervous. It's like excitement, um, challenging yourself. And if it doesn't go the way you planned, it's going to be okay. Life is going to be okay. Life will continue, you know? Whereas back in the day, if I turned up to a session nervous and then the session didn't go well, I'd get really caught up in that. And then I'd start thinking really negative things and, and potentially sacrifice my ability to train into the future because of that one session that just didn't go well, you know? So we really, really need to just focus on enjoying what we're doing and take the benefits, just enjoy the process, the journey is even so much better than the results anyway. So, so jumping from the mind, we're going to jump into speaking about how we need to pay more attention to our gut. And I think this is a really important conversation to have, especially for females, because I truly believe that females have an incredible power in the way that we have really strong instincts and intuition. And I think as females, I believe that it's come from evolution and how females have been brought up to raise family and be that caring, empathetic person and be a protector. And if you are a protector, you need to be hyper aware of your surroundings and the people around you and what's going on. And I think females just have an incredible ability to pay attention to that and act on it as well. So I think our gut tells us a lot and I know myself and S, we both have some pretty personal stories where we have paid attention to our gut instincts and it's gone, you know, really well for us. And then there's times where we really ignored those gut instincts and it hasn't worked out the way that we wanted, but it probably worked out the way that we knew it was going to work out at the start anyway. So our gut controls so many different things. And I know there's a really strong link between our gut and our hormones and our mental health and 
we're actually going to bring on our endocrinologist, Dr. Izzy Smith, um, in the next week or two. So we can ask her many questions and dive pretty deep into the power of our gut, how intertwined it is to our hormones and our mental health. But I think we all know that, you know, there is, there is a feeling that we get on things and that feeling is not to be ignored. It's really important to listen to those feelings and play into those intuitions because they're happening for a reason. I think the gut obviously does so many different things for our body. Um, and there's some incredible bacteria that live in our gut and that bacteria is fed by our food, obviously that we're, we're providing our body. And I know carbohydrates play a really important role into allowing that really healthy bacteria in our gut to thrive. So the idea of fueling our bodies, not just physically for our, you know, exercise and what we're doing in our daily lives, but also for our mind to keep our brain ticking over, but also for our gut, because I think if we don't fuel our bodies properly and get the right balanced diet into our ourselves, I think we lose that ability to listen to our gut and to have that real those really powerful instincts and have that intuition play into decisions that we make. So I think this definitely links back a lot to the experiences we've had and a lot about what we talk around about reds and you know um, females who potentially are under fueling and overtraining and not providing their bodies with the right nutrients to get through that training you lose that power to um, hear that instinct or that intuition and it's something that I'm really passionate about I know you are too Est and I think we just really want to encourage females to make sure they're living a really holistic and balanced life so that they can use their bodies and in particular their gut instincts to make decisions that are right for them, whether that's for their training, for their work life, for their family life. It's um, it's a pretty powerful tool. Yeah, I know. Obviously, yeah, sports related, it has a massive, massive part to play as well. But then in every other aspect of your life, like listening to your gut instincts and like you say, Lids, you know, what you eat, how you look after yourself and everything has an effect on your gut and then how well you're going to be able to listen to that uh, follows through from that. So I think maybe like seven years ago or so, I was overtraining quite a lot and potentially wasn't really listening to my intuition. And I had some friendships that potentially I shouldn't have continued. And I think at the time, I kind of knew they weren't good for me, but I stayed in those relationships and friendships because I thought it would um, it was cooler if it was helping my life in some way, but my mental health and my gut was telling me this isn't good for you. You know, I had some friends that told me that I would be really pretty if I didn't have weird facials, and they told me that I should stop making weird facials, and I sort of was like, okay, yeah, cool. Deep down, I knew that that's not what a good friend should say to someone, Uh, but I sort of stayed in those friendships for probably too long and knowing that it wasn't very good for my mental health. And I think as I've gotten older and I've put my health more at the forefront of every decision that I make, I know now that, yeah, I shouldn't have stayed in those friendships for so long and I wouldn't. And I think our gut instinct obviously comes from within, but it also comes from experiences that we've we've had in our lives as well. So I've grown a lot and the relationship aspect is definitely a big part of following my gut and who I know is going to be good for me, um, like going to build me up and I can build them up. Pretty much just describing you, Lids, as a friend. 
Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, and the same with also staying in in bad work situations as well. I think I I've had some jobs that I really didn't enjoy, and I knew I knew deep down this is not my calling. This is not what I want to be doing. Uh, lucky for me, Femi has started. I think I've already touched on it, but yeah, it's really made my life so much better. But if you have a passion and you're listening now and you don't like your job, start to try and think of a way to use that passion to make money because we only have so many years to live. You you shouldn't be wasting it in a job when you know deep down that it's not giving you satisfaction in life. You don't feel like you have a purpose. You're not driven and you're not enjoying it. So I think, yeah, listening to those signs from your gut and your mind that uh, maybe you're not in the right relationship or you've got a friendship that you know is not good for you or you're in a job that you know is not good for your life and your mind. You need to start to try and really listen and hone in on that and try to think of ways that you can slowly distance yourself from that and get into a situation that's um, a lot better for you long-term. I know it's hard because we all have to make money. So yeah, I'm not saying go and quit your job, but maybe start to think of ways where you can move into something that you can make money in, but that you're passionate about. I definitely know that I've got a little calling inside of me that says that I should work with animals. And I've told Lids about this and and that's something that I'm definitely going to hone into eventually. I really hope to have like an animal sanctuary one day where I'm going to rescue animals and be around them all day because yeah that's something that I know is a passion of mine as well which I really want to hone into but yeah I think it's come with age as well uh better at listening to my gut now and knowing what to do yeah I love that we can definitely start a family animal shelter I think um (laughs) 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 I think it's really like exactly what you said it's so important to understand like what lights you up and I think you know I thank my lucky stars every day that I get to do something that I really love. I would like to think that I'm relatively good at it and I get to make money from it. And I think that's the dream, right? I think trying to play into your passions and figure out your purpose is going to allow you to have or live a life that allows you to thrive and gives you a lot of satisfaction. And I think when I myself... I quit my full-time job when working for a corporate. I didn't necessarily know what I was going to do. I had no backup plan. I had no job to go to, but I knew in my gut that it was going to work out for me because I was so passionate about encouraging people to run and working with females specifically. And I had no idea what that was going to look like. But five years later, we're here working with females every single day around running and movement and encouraging females to feel confident in themselves and I'm so lucky. I feel very grateful that I get to do this, but I also am so proud of myself for listening to those gut instincts and playing into them and not just sitting in a job that I was not happy and was affecting my mental and my physical health. And that's probably another, you know, experience that I've had where I've really just ignored those gut instincts and it didn't work out for me is when I was suffering red S and my body, my physical body was telling me and giving me signs, but I also knew in my gut my intuition knew that something was not right. And for so long, I just ignored them and ignored them. And I would say I ignored them for probably nine months, maybe longer until I couldn't anymore, you know, and I just wish that I could turn back that time and start actually listening to that, my intuition and those gut instincts and 
knowing that I needed to make a change earlier on and and then I wouldn't have lost my menstrual cycle I wouldn't have ended up in hospital and I probably would have been able to get at the time I was training for the Gold Coast Marathon to try and qualify for world champs that year I probably would have got to that race and who knows what could have happened so going through those experiences I was really unfortunate but I guess like you said Esther it comes with time listening to your gut instincts and it I think over time you do become more aware of what your body and your gut is trying to tell you and actually paying attention to it and making changes before it gets really bad. And I've also had experiences where I've fallen into relationships already knowing before the relationship has even started, my gut is telling me that it's not right, but I ignore those feelings and I ignore those signs and I, try to force something that was never going to work long-term anyway um, and it ended up being a pretty toxic relationship and I got pretty hurt by it. So it's those experiences that definitely allow you to take into the future and build you and grow you. And I always want to be growing and I think we all should be growing until the day we die. We should be growing and learning and adapting. But I think if you become more in tune with your gut instincts, then you can potentially save yourself heartbreak and challenges and disappointment as well so those probably some more like negative gut instincts that I you know where when I haven't paid attention to my gut and I guess there's been quite a few positives as well which is definitely like what I was saying building Femi and knowing that this was our calling and here we are today and other opportunities that have been put in front of me you know working with brands like Nike and where that has led me even though there are times that have been like challenging and I've really had to put in the grind to get here I, I kind of knew in my gut that it was going to be worth it. And I had an opportunity to go and race the Speed Project, which is a race from LA to Las Vegas. And this was in 2018. I had an opportunity to run with a group of guys. I had never met a lot of, well, actually, I had only met one out of the team um, before. And so I had really no idea what I was getting myself into. And going on that trip and racing that event with that team and meeting those people and I think I knew in my gut that it was going to lead me somewhere pretty amazing. And, and, you know, now you're one of the guys was still one of my really good training partners and one of my best friends here in Melbourne. And um, it's incredible to see those relationships thrive when you do listen to your gut and play into those instincts and make the right decisions that feel right and positive for you. So I know Esther, you've had some, some really positive experiences when you've tuned into your gut as well. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, you know, I really did love Melbourne and I love living in Melbourne, but I'm such a lover of the ocean. And Byron and I just did this trip once. Byron's my partner. Sorry, acting like everyone knows who that is. <laughs> uh, we went on this road trip once. We were like, let's go up um, the coast of, of Australia. And we went through Sydney and we went all the way up to Brisbane and it was just so stunning. And I was like, man, I miss the ocean so much. Like I miss being in nature. And so we decided to move to Sydney and we lived right in the beach on the beach in Manly, which was super lucky. But yeah, since then, you know, in Sydney, I made some of the best friends that, you know, I've ever had. And I think just following that gut instinct that I needed to live near the ocean. And I, I believe that to this day that I'll always be close to the ocean ever since then. And I think that led me to make some of those amazing friendships and be surrounded by women that really built me up and they um they asked you questions like how's your mind today and 
yeah, what lights your soul up and that sort of thing. And I was like, well, I've never had like things like this asked before. And it was just so amazing. So I think, yeah, for me, that's probably one of the most positive experiences listening to um, my gut and where I want to be uh, living, which yeah, is it was a big, big move to go from Melbourne to Sydney, but so happy I did it. And now forever, I want to be by the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to agree. I definitely miss the ocean living in the city in Melbourne, but I think it's because we were probably brought up in New Zealand where you're surrounded by it. That's true. We are very lucky in New Zealand. Yeah. I think just, you know, the more you can lean into those gut instincts as well as, you know, what your mind is telling you as well as what your body is telling you, I think you will make the best decisions for you as a person. And hopefully it will take you down the right path and give you that purpose that we're all trying to search for really. Mm -hmm. You said it before, we are so lucky with what we do at Femi. I feel blessed every day that I get to coach women and hopefully inspire young girls to stay in sport and and treat their bodies with love because you know so many women around the world don't and yeah hopefully we can help change change that narrative all right well that's it for today I hope you guys took something from this conversation I think yeah we what we touched on will hopefully be pretty powerful in your own journeys whether it's your running journey or not but thank you for tuning in for episode six we will be back next week with an interview with our incredible endocrinologist Dr Izzy Smith so stay tuned for that again if you want to join us on our Facebook group that is the Nike Melbourne Marathon Festival Facebook group for Femi you can do that and that will be in our show notes we have also launched a Femi YouTube so if you'd like to join our YouTube channel myself I have started vlogging so you can call me a vlogger now if you want <laughs> to come along for that journey we're also telling the story of one of our Femi athletes Pip Monty so you'll be able to follow her journey as she works towards the 10k as well but thank you for tuning in and we will see you all next week <laughs>